0: All bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies,
1: disasters. And that's bad things.
0: Trigger warning for everything possible. What?
1: <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm David.
0: And this is All Bad Things.
1: Welcome, everybody. Welcome.
0: Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Twitch, at all pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord.
1: Do all of those things.
0: And Reddit. Man, there's so many things to remember.
1: <laughs> all the social media.
0: All the uh, all the things. Check
1: Literally check them all. Just check everything. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Ha! Ah, here we are, another midnight recording sesh. Yes.
1: <laughs> and uh, wrapping up another uh, three parter. One of probably half a dozen we've had at this point, I'm guessing.
0: Well, I have some news. What? It's not a three parter. We're going, we're going to go for round four.
1: Oh, okay. Sorry, okay. I
0: tried. I tried. I lied in the first episode. I'm like, we we're going to tell this story in a very simple three-act story. No. All right. Nope. I started looking into rocket science, and guys, it is hard to explain that without getting extremely long-winded. So,
1: so there we are. Maybe that should be the title of the episode.
0: <laughs> extremely long-winded. Yes. <laughs> no, <coughs> but I actually came up with another one because I had my episode or my title for the last episode, but it turns out it's going to be next episode. The, uh,
1: the first episode was. Ultimate something field about, trip. Ultimate field trip. I was mm-hmm. going to say, no, something about a field trip.
0: Yes. And then it was like where where we are, where we're going, why, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I forget the exact name, but it was, those were the two where lessons. Where we are, where we're
1: going, and why.
0: Or just why. Yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, that the those were Krista McAuliffe's uh, lessons that were going to be taught, um, had the shuttle made it into actual low Earth orbit. Um, so the other two things are going to be quotes, From uh, The the other two titles are going to be quotes from the commission report, which we're going to get all up into tonight. So this is Challenger Part 3, Moved and Troubled.
1: Hmm. And although this doesn't, I know the Challenger is not going to the moon, Mm -hmm. but the timing on something pretty big happening in NASA that hasn't happened in a while, we're going back to the moon. They already announced the the team. Artemis, yeah,
0: yeah. It's and it's a joint
1: venture between America and Canada, eh?
0: Oh yeah. There's,
1: there's a Canadian on board. Oh. Mhm. So yeah, they were on Colbert the other night. Like the. Oh okay. Uh, look up the promo commercial because they do it right. They do it like like it's a WWE event. That <laughs> nice. These guys are going to the moon, and it's just like it's like that's what you need to. That's how you need to show it that's, off.
0: That's the thing is that you know. NASA's always been half promo machine, right? You
1: have it, like,
0: be. It, it, y- yeah, have to Yeah, which is...
1: Because you're like, like this costs it does so cost, much money. It does
0: cost huge amounts of money. And
1: requires so much infrastructure, all mm-hmm. of which you have to think up of and build on your own.
0: Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I'm way cooler with that than the shit that we do to yeah. promote
1: war yeah, so <laughs> way way cooler like, yeah goes without saying cooler
0: yeah exactly
1: but uh Literally. yeah and and when something like this is that has just happened it when it was i mean pretty much was a like a almost like a celebrity event yes so uh-huh. many people it were was. watching it it was
0: a promotion Yeah,
1: it and really then this, was and then this happens and then there's a yep. collective mm-hmm. still want to be an astronaut <laughs> <laughs> but people were like yes
0: uh, well, yeah, and, uh, and the, yeah, plenty more people have gone to space. I think with Artemis, if I'm not mistaken, because I learned about that for the first time. Like I had not heard a thing when I went to Kennedy Space Center, um, and from what I understand, it's the the first woman is going to go to the moon. The first non-white person is going to go to the moon because it was all white men for yeah, the I guess U.S. That's true. I, for the U.S. Right? I don't
1: know if At anybody the else least. has been to the moon. I don't think so. I don't think the Soviet Union never went to the moon. Really? I don't think so. Because once we got there, like, what was the point, you know?
0: I don't know that I could say just based on that that the Soviets didn't. I actually no, no, don't know I'm, about the Soviet I'm, race. Or but I do space believe
1: we are the only country that's ever been to a Oh, man. I, feel, body. I don't
0: feel confident saying that at all. Okay, I think we need to look that. it up. Okay. <laughs> you say many things with great confidence. Yes. <laughs> that's why you were in sales for so long. That's right. <laughs> Ah, all right. So, moved and troubled was a quote from the Rogers Commission report. That's it. They said that Reagan was very moved and troubled by the disaster. I, Everybody here, was. Mm,
1: yeah.
0: Here's my contention: non-psychotic people were absolutely moved and troubled. Uh, yes. I don't know that Reagan was genuinely moved and troubled. Not sure. I think he was like, motherfucker. There goes all that money and all my my. PR that I did, I bet you anything that his first thought was for himself.
1: Yeah, most That's likely. That's how little I mean,
0: of a benefit of a doubt I will ever get that man. You also
1: have to be that arrogant to be president.
0: In I mean, general, really. yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. hmm But
1: yeah, his first thought was probably, how do we spin this? Exactly. You know. Yeah,
0: because he's a motherfucker. So... On January twenty eighth, nineteen eighty six, the U.S. Space Shuttle Challenger exploded shortly after launch in front of an international television audience of millions, killing all seven people on board. The incident is often described as a defining moment in the lives of those who witnessed it. Sure. Uh, did you Did you see today that I put a picture of what I looked like in nineteen eighty six? I was a <Yes>. year old.
1: <laughs> I also put up a Kid, kid Rock meme for fun.
0: Oh. <laughs> what would it say? It, it was
1: a bonus Kid Rock uh, plus. Um, uh the guitar player ted nugent oh jesus god two real assholes uh, i'm gonna do my best to it said um these two make music for people who know exactly how much pseudofed pseudofed they'll get for a stolen catalytic (laughs) converter i'm like yes like yes they do like other people listen to it too but that is like the target audience Man. (laughs)
0: man um primary sources for this episode of course Feel free to go back to listen to the first couple we dealt with um, in episode one. We talked about sort of the lead up to the crash in two. God, that was like one of the most depressing episodes we've ever recorded. Yeah. <laughs> that was a real bummer. Um, we talked about the disaster itself. Now we're moving on to all the aftermath. So Challenger, the Netflix documentary that we watched, big source for this episode. The Cleveland plane Dealer. Jalopnik. Um, special. Thanks to listener Leanne for sharing this article. We'll get to, to that in a little bit. Lithub, NASA, The Rogers Commission Report, Space.com and the US State Department. Alright. Um, yeah, I'm have completely failed at my attempt to tell this story in three episodes. <laughs> so okay. the aftermath is gonna be a I'll say a two-parter, but God knows. I I I'm hoping to limit myself to four episodes. <laughs> we'll see. Um, uh, yeah, anyway, we are going to have some political fun. <laughs> i bet. Then get into some nitty-gritty rocket shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, all uh, right, we ended last week talking about how there was, of course, going to be an investigation into the Challenger <laughs> explosion and its cause.
1: Absolutely. But imagine if, uh, the internet and Fox News existed. Oh, my God. If this had happened. Ugh. I mean, <laughs> <that's>... <laughs> I mean, they have been like the cause of like the ripple effect for so many like mundane things that just naturally happen sometimes, yeah. and it's not a fucking conspiracy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you well,
0: know. the the thing too that's really interesting is I don't know how Fox News would spin it; they'd have to spin it away from from NASA, right?
1: Well, they'd spin it away from Reagan, is that's that's that, the first. That yeah. would be
0: the first person you yeah. save, right? They would bl- can...
1: they would have blamed it on Carter right like with a a straight face
0: yeah that's very true (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah you you don't get away (laughs) well of course they were going to investigate this is how it goes um but millions of people saw seven people die on live television yes i mean
1: just just kids were in the millions
0: yes you know (laughs) from every
1: age i would guess like six to eighteen Right, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh-huh. In fact, we had several um, listeners comment on our Facebook discussion group like where they were. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people had the um, the recollection or the memory of um, like teachers seeming extremely upset, yeah. whereas the kids had a harder time understanding what was going, kind of like what you were talking yeah. about. You they know? didn't really
1: know what had just happened.
0: And of course, for teachers, it was kind of personal. There was one of their own
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> on there, you know, so... Um, So as with any formal U.S. government inquiry, a commission was tasked with this uh, undertaking. Um, And this was a presidential commission specifically. Um, And it's really typical for such high profile, horrific things that happen. This commission was put together really fast, less than a week after the disaster, so on February third, nineteen eighty six, Ronnie Rocket Ready Reagan—that's <laughs> I'm calling him—formed the Rogers Commission, which was called that because it was led or chaired by one William P. Rogers. Yeah. So Rogers was an Ivy League-educated attorney. He completed his law degree at Cornell University.
1: <laughs> Ever heard of it? <laughs> Thank
0: you. I knew you'd you'd come through <laughs> on that one. <laughs> I
1: went to Cornell. <laughs>
0: Ever heard of it? Ever
1: heard of it? I don't (laughs) even remember going. I was drunk all the time. (laughs) That's
0: right. That's what he said. Not Rogers. The the office. Watch The Office. Anyway, um, so he graduated from Cornell in 1934, so even at this point, he was 52 years out of law school.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Cornell might have only been 52 years old itself at this point. possible. (laughs) Like, Like, it might have been the same.
0: He became a practicing attorney in New York. He made his way to assistant district attorney of New York County within four years. And I'm pretty sure New York County is like New York City, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So he. Took I think a, that's
1: kind of like just it, though. And like maybe a borough or two.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Like, isn't the Southern District of New York... Um, like, a huge, even though it's, like, a very specific district court, it's huge because of the fact that it's New York City. I believe
1: population-wise, it's, like, the most populated district there is, mm. like, in America.
0: And also, I'm pretty sure they have, like, a ridiculously strong track record of convictions, if I'm not mistaken, the or prosecutors a, do.
1: at least a decent one, which... No, for, I'm pretty uh, sure it's
0: it's kind of notorious yeah, for that. For
1: high-profile cases, that's, yes, uh-huh. that's, a pretty, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah.
0: Um, he took a short break from law during World War II when he served in the Navy aboard the USS short, Intrepid.
1: Short break fighting Nazis. Right,
0: as a lieutenant commander. Jeez. After a short time back in the district attorney's office, he flirted with the D.C. elite through serving as counsel for various, various Senate committees, while also bopping back and forth between practicing law in both New York and D.C., uh, his first major appointment was as Deputy Attorney General for the first Eisenhower administration. Eisenhower, who is, of course, the second most well-known Dwight. After Shrew, of course. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> Another officer. I was trying to think of who the first was. <laughs> exactly. Yes, that makes sense. Um, followed by Attorney General in Ike's second administration. Uh, it, it's interesting because... He's one of those people who made it to, like, some really influential <laughs> parts of the State Department. Sure. With zero elections involved, right? That's,
1: he's one of the... Which yeah. is how
0: some of the... And I think... Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's people what people talk about when they talk about the deep state, right? Like, the people who are appointed in high positions of power. To a
1: degree. Like, that's a that's a part of it. Because they're not talking about, these, like,
0: employees. But what like, these people don't the realize government. is,
1: like, yeah, the government has a lot of rotating cast and crew that work different jobs.
0: Yes. had has a lot of
1: career people behind the scenes.
0: I gotcha, but I do understand the concern with entrenched figures. Like, yes, absolutely. For, for example. Absolutely. So Rogers had to kind of bide his time during the Democratic years of the 60s before returning to the presidential cabinet as Richard M. Nixon's First Secretary of State.
1: Okay, that's a pretty big deal.
0: Yeah, he would, of course, be succeeded by one of the few men who can be accurately compared in abject horror to Ronald Reagan, one, Henry Kissinger. Oh, jeez. Nixon's second Secretary of State. So that's what I'm saying is, like, these these fuckers hang around in positions of power. Yes, they do. And that... ...is a problem, in my opinion. And I now, understand that there are appointments, and that's fine, but, like...
1: And now hanging around doesn't necessarily have to mean staying in politics. You can just go work for a, for a right-wing network.
0: And still wield political power oh, as a result. And a
1: hell of a lot People more money. People
0: still ask this walking corpse of a Henry Kissinger, yeah. like, questions... Yeah. Do you remember uh, anything? <laughs> no, they ask for his opinion. Yeah. And at this point, a- he's about like... About what? <laughs>
1: half dead! Like, like, and he committed like essentially like you
0: know. No, he a hundred percent committed war crimes. No,
1: that I was gonna say genocide. Maybe that's going a little too far, but war crimes um, definitely.
0: It's not entirely. A crime. So
1: why would you want that person's opinion on anything? Like even like how to yeah. bake a cake. Like, exactly. Like, if I if he te- if I bake it the way he tells me, that I'm gonna die in poisoning.
0: <laughs> Probably. And, <they're, laughs> and no one's gonna convict anyone <laughs> yeah, over it, <laughs> and he'll
1: be fine. Like mm-hmm. he'll still be just sitting there.
0: Yeah. So despite being well overshadowed by the darkness of Kissinger, Rogers was obviously still kind of around D.C. in 86, though by that point he was 72 years old. Um, But Ron Rex, himself being two years older than Rogers, that's right. At this point, Reagan's fucking 74. Now, I get it. We have an older president. Now <laughs> do. these fuckers need to stop this shit. Just die already, my god!
1: Um, boomers, just please give just, up.
0: Just, okay, boomers. Like, like it's, just, it's, it's a, time to go. It's
1: over. Like,
0: <laughs> um. So he appointed Rogers as the chair of the president's committee to investigate Challenger. Other notable committee members included Neil Armstrong, as uh, in first yeah, guy sure. to walk on
1: the moon. As in that
0: one. Yeah, that the Neil Armstrong. Physicist, Nobel Prize winner and Manhattan Project participant, Richard Feynman. Sally Ride, the first American woman in space. And Chuck Yeager, the first person oh, yeah. on record to break the sound, sound barrier. barrier in flight. Yep.
1: Yeah, Fox News would get a hold of that list and be like, now of course they put a woman on the panel because <laughs> we need women for everything mm-hmm. now.
0: Candace Owens would come on and say something about...
1: <laughs> Candace, Candace Owens would come on and say, like, why we don't need women. Yeah, exactly. doing, doing anything. <laughs>
0: uh, so while the Rogers Commission was pretty well stacked with aerospace experts, Rogers was an attorney and deep state long-timer, which has certainly been noted many times. Sure. Original fuck face, not to be confused with current fuckface, so in other words, I'm talking about Reagan, sure. I'm talking about original fuckface, right? Yes. Not fuckface light. Told Rogers, quote, whatever you do, don't embarrass NASA. End quote. Yeah, sure. It would, of course, have been correct to say, quote, whatever you do, get at the truth of what happened. End quote. That's yeah. the point. Yeah. Nah. No oh point, but we're talking about a soulless excuse of a Homo sapiens here. So uh, can we really expect? We're also more? talking
1: about two giant bureaucracies, and they're not just going to be, you know.
0: But the, I mean, what what those astronauts deserved and what the American public deserved was the truth. Absolutely, plain and simply, fuck NASA. Like, if, sorry, if, if that means if that's we, how if that's how it shakes out, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. You
1: know, we, you get a little less money next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you it's know, not going to dismantle NASA. This, this I mean, whole I'm investigation, sure concerns guess what, that, we're but...
1: going to charge you with it. You're going to pay yeah, for it.
0: right. Which would,
1: wouldn't be, that's what they found. Yeah. You know.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'm not really going to tell this part linearly, necessarily. Okay. We know about the O-rings, right? Um, well,
1: I mean, for anybody who doesn't. Well, we're going to get yeah. into oh, it. Don't I worry, gotcha. don't
0: worry. Um, but we're, and we're going to kind of start there, which is sort of the end of the story. Or is it? We'll get to that. All right. I have titles for these sections that I'm not going to share with anybody because they're dark humor. And considering the topic, I don't feel they're appropriate. So you know what I did? I messaged them to Lee, our friend Lee Hutch on Instagram. I was like, if anyone's going to appreciate it, it'll be Lee. So we'll just move on. Um, Alright, as I said, I'm going to say O-ring and gasket like a trillion times (laughs) because (coughs) ultimately in a very oversimplified way, that's what this disaster came down to. A failed part, an O-ring. And like I said, it's oversimplified and we're going to get into why that's kind of an oversimplification. So the first evidence of this failure on the Challenger was found almost immediately after the disaster when photos and video footage cuz this was this was watched right yes. there was so much evidence of what happened just visually right
1: i mean the the share of the audience that day was probably like 50% <laughs> right and it was
0: 1986 technology but there's still some really sure. like best of the day technology yeah. on this thing right um so what photos and video footage showed was what nasa called a quote unexpected change, end quote, of an, quote, unusual plume, end quote, meaning like flames or smoke, right? Um, to the point where, like, you can see this in the Challenger documentary, um, the spokesperson mentions, you know, this unusual plume and reporters are like, "What is what is this unusual plume? And he was like, they're saying it's an unusual plume. Like, that, no elaboration. It was very sort of vague. Um, but it this, this unusual plume was coming from the lower part of the right solid rocket booster. So we're going to pause here. We're going to talk about O-rings. Then we're going to get into <laughs> rocket
1: science, okay?
0: <laughs> so, David, what is your understanding of what an O-ring is?
1: It's basically... Because I work with these at work, just on a much uh, yeah, uh-huh. smaller scale. Right,
0: exactly, which is a helpful analogy. It's
1: basically like something that is a buffer in between the connection of two parts to make sure that the part stays together a certain way, to make sure there's a certain amount of give, to make sure it can go through a certain amount of pressure to hold these two pieces together.
0: You got it. It's it's a part of a joint, yeah. right? Where two parts join. So, and and O-rings are mechanical part, components, like you said, you work with them at work, they're an all sorts yeah. of stuff. It's a common, common part. It's a flat piece of it's, rubber. I mean, or the, ring. The,
1: the concept is universal. It's just how, it is. how big is it? <laughs> exactly. I mean, really.
0: Exactly. So it's a flat or sometimes kind of rounded that then flattens um, rubber piece in an O shape. So that hence the mm-hmm. ring, right? It looks like a ring. Um, and O rings come in. Billions of sizes, all right? The, From teeny, all the teeny sizes. tiny to yeah. literally like tw- 12 feet in diameter on the solid we rock boosters. literally
1: have ones at work that are about this big.
0: Like half an inch or quarter yes. inch or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Because that's how versatile they can be. Because there are joints of that size mm-hmm. in, in various applications of, of mechanics. What what I picture immediately is um, when you replace a shower head. You know, you sure. screw on the shower head and there's there's this little flat pl- um, rubber piece that you put on the pipe, like between the pipe and the wall and the like the little pipe on the shower head. And as you tighten or screw on, you know, the one, pi- the shower head onto the pipe, that O-ring, that it, it's also called a gasket, the, those mm-hmm. terms, you know, can we're going to use kind of simultaneously or er, um, interchangeably here. The pressure of those two parts joining compresses the gasket or the O ring. And that compression is what creates a solid seal. Yes. And make sure between the two parts.
1: And also the, the main reason is to make sure you don't damage either part. Yeah, that's true, too, that, right. Because it's uh-huh. there to prevent that friction. It
0: buffers, right, mm-hmm. between the two parts. Exactly. So it's a seal and protection of erosion of the actual joint yep. joining parts, right?
1: Because if you have uh, objects in motion that fast, then that means they're both going through a whole lot of pressure, true. combustion, uh-huh. reduction, all sorts of shit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, and you have to have something that keeps it level.
0: It, keep, it buffers, like you said. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um... And, you know, thinking about, like, O-ring and also called a gasket, you can, it kind of gives understanding to the phrase, don't blow a gasket. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Because. That's
1: when shit breaks down. Exactly. Even at, even at I- work.
0: Right. The <laughs> idea is that if a gasket, you know, blows, it means it fails. In, in essence, the seal is broken, right, between two parts. Yeah. As, again, just kind of falling through on that showerhead example, if we had an O-ring, a gasket, between the pipe and the wall and the showerhead, if it, quote, blows what happens? Water goes everywhere, right? Sprays yeah. through. If the shower head is on, it sprays through that seal. The seal is, or leaks, like, I guess, best case scenario. Like
1: at work, like if, if the line breaks down, the first thing we do is we check the, we check, check the gaskets. Ah. That's usually what it is. How funny. I mean, because if it, if, even if it just disintegrates a little bit, mm-hmm. it can let something that's not supposed to get through get through and... So
0: Absolutely. That, so yeah,
1: it's a fairly common thing. Thankfully, we're not sending anybody to space.
0: That's why. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's okay for it to be a common problem at your work, yes. right? Because it's not hurting anybody. No. Like it, the worst it's doing is causing a nuisance, right? And Needing yeah. to be replaced. It's yeah. causing it can lost be a efficiency. Fucking nuisance. That's for damn sure. Essentially, um, and this is all a very, very, very small scale and low stakes analogy, right? Of of what happened to Challenger, um, but I think it's helpful to like have these pictures in your mind, sure. right? Because we've all seen like little plumbing things, or I know what maybe it looks like work. when it fails,
1: like right. a lot of times.
0: But who who but of us have seen a solid rocket booster gasket? You know, nobody. Yeah, exactly. So gaskets are used in thousands and thousands and thousands of mechanical applications. Including everything from the most inconsequential th- thing, like a showerhead, to a solid rocket booster, mm. which is anything but inconsequential. Right. When we were talking to our nephew, mm. when we visited Lake Placid, he's talking about wanting to go into engineering and saying he initially was thinking about aerospace engineering, but was like, nope, you have to be so precise. <laughs> it's like-, like uh uh-huh. <laughs>
1: like everything has to be precise. That's like,
0: right. Yeah. <laughs> and this is why, right?
1: I'm, I'm going to go with yes, it does.
0: Yes, exactly. So now we kind of talked about this one component that we know failed, and we're going to get into all that, and that, like, this O-ring, this gasket is kind of the, the main problem. But it was on the solid rocket booster. So we are going to talk about solid rocket boosters, so when first of all when any shuttle launches but in this specific case the challenger launched it's not just the shuttle on the launch pad right at all the the shuttle is what comes back it's part of it by yeah. itself but there's a whole assembly mm-hmm. and this assembly is made of four main components and if you look up a picture you can see all these four components there's this giant thing. The biggest part is in the center and everything else is kind of like around it, right? And this big thing is the external fuel tank. So this is the biggest component because it contains 526,000 gallons of liquid oxygen and liquid hydrogen.
1: I fucking can't. Like, how do you make something like that? No,
0: I don't know. And the reason is because it takes so much energy
1: <laughs> to get out of Earth.
0: To just lift yeah. millions of pounds yeah. off the Earth, let alone get it up high yeah. enough where it's going to continue into low Earth orbit. Yeah. Miles up,
1: once right? it's Once it's in outer space to get back, it speeds up partly with gravity coming back down. Right, You're working so
0: it's, 100% against gravity. <laughs>
1: yes. Like, to get out of the Massive to get laser. out of the solar earth, not the solar system, to get out of uh, the
0: lower atmosphere, yes. right? Exact or the the sky. Yeah, <laughs> into you, space. You, you need to get out of the sky. <laughs> you need to get into space. <laughs> get, get out of the sky. <laughs> That'll be
1: the first. I'm gonna. Nobody can steal that if there's a future like space program that sends people. You, that's ours. <laughs> that's our. That's slogan. our tagline. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're going I'm gonna copyright it tomorrow. There you go. It's, it's copyrighting right now.
0: <laughs> now, interestingly. This is the biggest, like, component of the the shuttle assembly, this gigantic external fuel tank. But it's the one part of the assembly that is not reused. It sure. gets jettisoned once the, all the fuel is gone. Yep. It disintegrates. It bursts up. Yep. It's meant to do that and fall harmlessly into little bits of ocean junk. Yeah. So um, I, I thought that was interesting. I didn't know... I, I didn't know that. I didn't know any of this. I'm learning all of this. So i just, just sharing the, with you.
1: And that's just the, the main booster. Like you also got two... Uh, <laughs> no,
0: no, no. That's not a booster. Oh, you're it right. It is the, a the, tank.
1: The gas tank. It's a fuel tank. And then you've got the, the rocket boosters well. let's boosters talk as
0: about well. that, right? The other two major components, but it's actually three parts... Um, it's the shuttle, right? That's the one. And then two solid rocket boosters. And you can see that in an assembly, too, right? So you've got the giant external fuel tank in the middle. The shuttle, kind of like belly onto mm-hmm. the um, external a fuel tank. A little above
1: center. Yeah, and bit. then
0: the solid rocket boosters are along On the, the each side. On um, So there's a left and a right solid rocket booster. And all of those components, the left... SR, and the, those are called SRBs, right? Because everything's an acronym in government. But also it's easier to say. So you have the, the left SRB, the right SRB. I keep wanting to say SOB.
1: <laughs> no, that's <laughs>
0: not it. And the, and the shuttle in the middle. Um, and those are all meant to be reused. So those are all reusable parts. Not as is. Like the solid rocket boosters need a lot of refurbishing, but still. So what the SRBs do... Is provide the get up and go, sure, <laughs> as it were. So, what is using all those five hundred twenty six thousand gallons of fuel? These gigantic the SRBs, cr- <laughs> SOBs, yes. Um, now these gigantic SRBs are incendiary devices. The way that helps me think of it is to think of a firework.
1: Sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah.
0: A firework doesn't itself have quote fuel in it, Mm-mm. but it has something that can explode it has or like can... igniter. Exactly the 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 burn part. It can burn and c- create a contained explosion. Mm-hmm. Is the idea right? Um,
1: that's that's I mean basically what a firework is a contained exactly. explosion.
0: Exactly. So just imagine it. 10 trillion times larger. Say, um, no. And in a very controlled manner, right? Like, if you set off a firework, wing, that thing can go right up, right? That's not how a space shuttle works. It can
1: go right into your eyes, or, <laughs> it, or it blow, chase you around. Or, or blow up your hands. Yes,
0: I have a fear of fireworks. I will never be around them. But anyway, like, I don't mind watching them from afar. I think that's kind of the point. Anyway, but, you know. Um, th- it, it, there's so much. That goes into creating a safe and well, say, relatively speaking, yeah. safe and controlled explosion on this massive scale. That has to require, has to give, has to provide so much thrust to get this entire assembly, assembly millions and millions of pounds
1: up and those and out. Those equations were done over and over and over and over <laughs> Initially again. Initially by hand. Yes.
0: <laughs> in the early days, right? And then eventually they, in the room computers. Because
1: they had to be sure about everything.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So instead of having, like, gunpowder or, uh, like, some uh, fireworks have gunpowder and stuff in them, right? And Essentially, we have rocket fuel. Well, uh, so they, they would, uh, other incendiary devices may use, like, granular propellant, propellant, propellant is the thing that burns, right? Solid rocket boosters (coughs) use solid propellant. This was not something I knew until reading about this. Um, They do not contain liquid. Okay. They're called solid rocket boosters because they contain solid propellant.
1: Okay. Um, Okay.
0: So... I didn't if I had dug into that, we'd have gotten into like three more pages. But from what I understand from what I read, the propellant is essentially and I mean, you know, I'm making like little gestures with my hand, but we're talking. The so the the Solid Rocket boosters were. Did you see one? No, I saw the Saturn V. Oh, okay. Um, which was a different assembly and I believe larger than the SRBs. Wow. Even larger. Yeah. That thing is enormous. But the SRBs were and I think I Give okay, um, hundred seventy-seven feet long, which is fifty-four meters, or what? Not quite two football fields. I don't know. Oh, I can't. No, I can't do. That. No, no a that's football. Not it. A football
1: field is three hundred feet. Oh, long. okay.
0: So it's small. It's shorter it's, than a football yeah. field. Okay. Yeah, that would be really yeah, big. Hundred
1: yards is three hundred feet.
0: Yeah. Yes. And it's twelve feet or three point six five meters in diameter. So. 12 feet in diameter that that's large
1: bigger than this room
0: (laughs) it's bigger than this room so this this solid propellant from what i understand from what i could tell is sort of almost like a i mean obviously you're not going to go touch in this stuff but like a rubber erasery sort of texture so that's uh if that helps picture it And this propellant is obviously massively powerful. Like I said, it had to provide so much thrust, um, which is just an awkward word to say. But anyway, Um, the, so like a firework, right? Apparently like the biggest fireworks, the huge displays they do, you know, um, at most will launch about 650 feet or okay. about 200 meters into the air before exploding. You know, it's just their poo, ooh, ah, and all that. Um, that these solid rocket boosters need to get millions of pounds off the surface of Earth through the Earth's atmosphere. And in order to be able to do that, these SRBs are so powerful that together, the twin SRBs provide Combined thrust power of 5.3 million pounds.
1: Wow. I, sure. <laughs> right? Why not?
0: Um, <laughs> around two minutes into launch, now of course this is a launch that goes as planned, the SRBs detach from the shuttle. Now the shuttle is like jettisoning the fuel tank, the SRBs. Shuttle goes up, the SRBs have their little poof parachutes and just float down to the ocean. That's right, they do. Where they're recovered. Yes. Mm -hmm. And reused. Mm -hmm. Uh, Refurbished and reused. Um, And now for the record, I think I put this in later, I'm just going all over the place, but anyway the Challengers SRBs were still flying through the air. On their way to who knows what with solid rocket propellant. Right. Fortunately, there's apparently, like, protocol to this. They remotely detonated the SRBs so they could just explode over the earth and fall into the ocean. Okay. Because otherwise, those things are essentially missiles. Yeah. Uncontrolled missiles. That is true. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, they can't have them flying off Mm -mm, into, like, mm -mm. at this time, like, the Soviet Union by by accident. Jesus, no.
0: Um... (laughs) So, these SRBs, as anomalous as they are, having solid rocket propellant, being so gigantic, still use gaskets, still use O's, O-rings in their assemblies. So, the SRBs of Challenger were each made of eight larger components, right? So, starting from the nose, there was the nose assembly, the forward skirt avionics, the forward segment with the igniter, the center forward segment... The center-center segment, the center-aft segment, the aft segment with nozzle, and the aft skirt with the boost separation motor. So it's just to, it's like these were the building blocks, right? And they all joined together. And in between all of those joints was an O-ring or a gasket or more than one, which (laughs) we will definitely be discussing. Um, So... Uh, also, very much unlike my shower head analogy, these segments were not like screwed on. These were like complex joint oh, assemblies. Yeah. Is... Uh, and I'm not, I'm not getting even. Again, another three pages could be spent talking about the, the tang and the, the, the shim and the putty. And oh my God, is there so much information about these yeah, joints? But this is a
1: job where there's, because I've seen them before, where there are wrenches literally like the size of a person. Yeah.
0: <laughs> wild. To I mean, work they with. are
1: pretty fucking cool. I've never worked with one, mm-hmm. but I've seen them up close, and it's just surreal. That's it's wild. Like, it's like that thing is so fucking gigantic,
0: right? Um, so we've talked a lot. O-rings, solid rocket boosters. Now we're going back to where we started with the commission. Okay, K. Rogers Commission. How did all of this come out that there was a problem with the O-rings in the solid rocket booster? And that's what essentially caused the issue with Challenger. Well, and then we're going to talk about how it wasn't just this, and we're going to talk about so much more. But <laughs> back to the Rogers Commission. <clears throat> the Rogers Commission, you know, I said that uh, Rogers, William Rogers himself was sort of like a deep state guy, mm-hmm. very entrenched in the state, the U.S. State Department, um, he was a
1: he was a careerist. In, yes,
0: very much so. In government. Very much so. And he was primarily, like, he was the head of this commission appointed solely at the will of Ronald Reagan. Sure. And when Ronald Reagan told him, like, don't embarrass NASA, he took it seriously. Now, I'm not saying that was the right thing to do, but you can see where that was the...
1: It set the objective kind of in motion. Exactly. A little bit.
0: Yeah. Um, so he was actively looking to pacify baby Reagan, right? Sure. <laughs> um, baby Reagan. I just, I just try to get in as many insults as I possibly can on this asshole. Um, other other members were much more interested in the pursuit of the truth like the actual,
1: Like, what actually happened? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going to um, get to that.
0: Mm-hmm. And that included multiple people, and we're going to get into some of them. Um, namely, we're going to talk... A, start by talking about Richard Feynman. Richard Feynman, you can absolutely read about him. Longstanding, well-respected, like basically genius physicist, right? Uh he did some he he was sort of the person, you know you see the the movies about like Trials and like um jury trials and the jury is charged with don't do any research on your own and there's the rogue juror who does the research. Well, that was not necessarily the case here as far as being charged not to do research, but Feynman absolutely did some research on his own. He did some of his own digging and he started to find some major disconnects between the engineers of NASA. And management, especially upper management at NASA. Hardly a unique situation in any place. Are
1: you you sure about that?
0: I know. But an especially dangerous one, given that NASA was engaging in literal rocket science.
1: Yeah. Right? So Doing things that, up until they do them, have mm -hmm. not been humanly possible.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) And then you hope that you execute that part of it. Yeah, you know, but there have been two instances with space shuttles where that did not happen.
0: Two instances
1: with space, like the Challenger and the Columbia. Like we've lost two space. Oh, shells. oh, I gotcha. Sorry,
0: yeah. I lost the yeah. train of thought there. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, so in a commission panel, you know, panelists, the um, members of the commission can ask questions, right? Um, it, it, that's the inquiry. <laughs> Hence the inquiry part, right? And Feynman started touching some nerves when he started asking about the O-rings in the solid rocket boosters during the investigation. He was asking pretty simple questions like, what are they made of? What are the quality control steps for these these parts? Um, Rogers didn't like where this was headed to the point where he literally interrupted Feynman in the middle of a question. To be like, oh, adjourned. We're adjourned for the day. Hmm. You know, so it's like, huh. What's what's going on here? Um, These delay tactics only helped NASA look good for a very short time longer. Uh, Everyone's hand became a bit more forced as the New York Times started picking up on the O-ring angle after a tip from a NASA insider. We're going to get... Again, we're going to keep going backwards and get into what happened on the engineering side of things. So at this point, it's all, it's like a week into the commission. It's February 10th of 1986. The so at, you know, asking asking I mean, these questions like
1: 2 weeks after it just happened.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's very quick, very yeah. quick. So <laughs> there were, you know, questions about the O-rings. Now the New York Times is start times is starting to question the O-rings. So, uh, Rogers is like, okay, we're we're taking this secret meeting. No, no press. We are moving this into closed session. So obviously, to be like, well, we're gonna make sure nothing comes out that isn't controlled in message, right? And at that meeting, there was a presentation by Larry Malloy, the project manager of the Solid rocket booster program at NASA. Sally Ride started pressing Malloy on information that she had heard that there were concerns about the launch even going ahead in the first place on January 28th. Malloy kind of brushed her off, but she kept going after him, specifically asking if there was any documentation that there was concerns of cold weather causing problems. With the O-rings. Mm. So she's like, she's not only zeroed in on O-rings, she's saying cold weather O-rings, yeah. right? Um, Malloy denied it. He said, oh, no, no, no. There's there's no correspondence, no documentation like that. Then and there on the spot was a Morton Thiokol engineer, uh, a NASA contractor. We'll talk to them. Talk to them. <laughs> we'll talk about them in a little bit. Mm-hmm. There was a, an engineer, Alan McDonald, present at the meeting. He stood up and was like, that's not true. Hmm. He literally contradicted him right then and there. Um, so they clearly were zeroing in on what a problem was. And there were contradicting statements, which was starting to all indicate, like, <clears throat> we're probably zeroing in on what the problem is here. Um. And, and Rogers knew that, so the next day's meeting was going to be an open session, so back out of the secret meeting, back in front of the media, and Rogers told everyone in the closed meeting, we will not be addressing cold weather concerns, NASA's going to give their, get a chance to give their account of events. Okay. So, like, we're not going to talk about this once we get out there, right? Once we're out in the open. Obviously, Rogers was prioritizing his charge not to embarrass NASA over the charge of finding the truth. And it was concerning, to say the least, and incredibly concerning to the rest of the committee, many of at least many of the rest of the committee, right? So as the meeting adjourned, and there's a great like, this is such a fun part of the Netflix documentary, I, I recommend. It's in the last, I think in the fourth episode, if that's the last one anyway. It's a good one. Um, The meeting's adjourned. There's a commission member named General Don Katina, who we'll be talking about in a second. He was walking down the hall in State Department next to Sally Ride. In like a super badass espionage move, Sally Ride literally wordlessly hands him a piece of paper. When he ended up looking at it, it showed two columns of information. One was ambient air temperatures, outdoor air temperatures, and the other was resiliency of the SRB O-rings corresponding to each of those temperatures. Obviously, the lower the temperature, the less resilient the O-rings.
1: It's literally like something that happens in an espionage movie.
0: Yeah, it's really really cool. There
1: Um, you go. And he just knows he needs to take it and then probably like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. Yeah, well, let's talk the, about what he oh, said. okay.
0: Let's talk about what he said. This is his own accounting, too. Um, he, he was interviewed for the documentary, and he talks about this. So, by giving this in... So, Sally rides a NASA insider, to say the sure. least. She's a <laughs> yeah. shuttle astronaut, right? She was putting herself in a real precarious situation.
1: Well, because she kind of... Yeah. This is
0: basically cor- corporate espionage, right, yeah. in a way? Um, and Katina understood that. He's like, this is important information, but it can't have come from her. We need to get this out there somehow without implicating her at all.
1: Right.
0: And he decided, Katina decided to have Richard Feynman, the physicist, over to his house for dinner that night. Um, they had, like, had a a bonding moment. Uh, I don't I have this in here. I remember writing this. <laughs> oh well. And do you have another on page? No. <laughs> Not that I see. But Katina and Feynman actually kind of became friends during the process of the inquiry. Uh, uh, Katina came across as like a real down-to-earth guy that Feynman liked, and also they both kind of hated the State Department. <laughs> Because uh, Katina was a general, and mm-hmm. there's apparently like a lot of tension between the military and the State Department, well, just of in course general, there is. right? Oh yeah, like a rivalry or whatever. Yeah, and so they they kind of bonded over that. So Katina decided to have Feynman over to dinner to his house that night, and Katina took Feynman into his garage, and he had an Opel GT, like a fancy. Sports car, right? That he loved. Mint condition. He's one of those enthusiasts who took care of it and everything. And Opel's a pretty fucking nice car. Yeah? Yeah. I wouldn't know, but whatever. <laughs> I think my Ford Fiesta is a very nice car.
1: Okay. <laughs> wasn't sure what to say there. I know. So many, th- so many things came to mind.
0: <laughs> so this is what Katina said happened. He brings uh, Feynman into the garage shows him the car. He points to the engine of the GT and he said, "Professor, I have O-rings in this this engine and they leak when it's cold." And Katina said that Feynman looked over and on like a table in the um in the garage, Katina had like spare little O-rings. He said that Feynman picked one up, looked at it and didn't say a word. Hmm. So the next day, February 11th, in the open meeting of the commission, Larry Malloy making a presentation, talking about the joints of the SRBs, and then kind of with a few whispered words, Katina helped Feynman time out when he should go in for the kill. So Feynman addressed the commission, he pulls out a little, little O-ring, like a whether it was the one from the car or not i'm not sure but it just like a not not a solid rocket booster o-ring but just a normal size one and he's like you know i put this in ice water and it affected the resilience of this o-ring um so he basically just put it out there that you know cold affects o-rings right cold affects Gaskets, and if you've ever seen a bad gasket, like uh, that got brittle or or hard and
1: and eroded, Mm -hmm.
0: cracked, all sorts of things, right? Well, so what he was saying was, yeah, the cold is going to start harming the integrity of the gasket. Jesse, there's no reason for that. (laughs) My goodness, they ate.
1: Yes, they did. Anyway, now they're awake.
0: So what what this is this is what i find so interesting so sally ride passed information to an antagonistic <laughs> to the state department general two star general who passed it on to a nobel prize winning physicist and that's how they got this information out there in open session in front of the media sure. so this was all happening purely openly right um Feynman went one step further. He carried out a science experiment Krista McAuliffe would have definitely approved of. He had a glass of ice water, dunked an O-ring into the glass of ice water, and showed how the gasket, the O-ring, would not bounce back. Mm. So just like Krista's experiments in space would have been, Feynman's experiment was broadcast and rebroadcast Making it clear to the American public... i to kind
1: of remember this a little bit. In
0: the documentary?
1: Well, that... and I, I kind of remember this being on the news.
0: Okay, well, it was a big thing. Because this
1: was, like, they finally figured out, like, what it was.
0: And it got out there, too. Mm-hmm. Like, regardless of what Rogers wanted done with that, the information was made fully public. Yeah. That this was an issue. Like,
1: who to blame? <clears throat> I don't remember any of that part. I'm sure oh, we'll, that went on. We'll get on. into that. But uh, I do remember when the O-rings became, like... Like, this is probably the thing. Mm-hmm. This is probably what did it.
0: Yep. So now there's genuine concern about the SRB gaskets out there publicly. Jesse Pinkman.
1: Just does He'll be fine.
0: <sighs> He's being so loud, though. He's d- interrupting the story. But <laughs> um, they point out in the Netflix documentary, like, the reason... It was so smart to have Feynman be the one to do this. Is he's a fucking Nobel Prize winning physicist. Anyone else like like, starts (laughs) talking about physics and go go ahead
1: and challenge this guy.
0: Exactly. (coughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm.
1: Like, Like literally like one or two other people on Earth maybe can do it. But like Stephen it. Hawking, maybe or right? Like and they're it. they're not they're not going for his opinion. Well, in, and in this. and
0: he also wouldn't disagree because Friedman's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You've been
1: like, uh, no, I reviewed yeah, it myself, and uh, yes, I, mm-hmm. I I I concur. I concur exactly. Yeah, but I do so. remember because I remember meeting <clears throat> like maybe around a month later, where it was the O ring thing started becoming a bigger story. I'm Guess starting this is to just
0: a couple weeks in.
1: Yeah, I'm starting to remember this, like, little by little.
0: Okay. So, with no choice but to focus on the potential failure of the O-ring, the Rogers Commission, in its report released on June 6, 1986, concluded that the only potential cause of the disaster they could find was, indeed, failed O-rings in the right solid rocket booster, or, more specifically... O rings. There was a primary and a secondary Mm. O ring in the joint. Both failed. With the seal in this solid propellant incendiary device broken, hot exhaust under extreme pressure burst through the failed seal, the joint, right? That caused the unusual plume. Mm. And this exhaust eventually caused the external fuel tank to rupture. There was not an explosion in the traditional sense. It's not like it went up in a fireball. Instead, the catastrophic failure of the SRB and the external fuel tank made them unable to do their job, which, of course, was to fly and propel, but they were already flying and propelling while failing. Because the full structure of the four components of the shuttle, the external fuel tank and the two SRBs, All depended on each other to get the shuttle into space. When two of these components failed, the entire structure was then left to the mercy of natural aerodynamic forces flying at immense speeds into the atmosphere, completely uncontrolled. Jeez. So (laughs) We're literally talking aerodynamic forces ripped apart the shuttle and the fuel tank. And of course, we discussed last week what happened to the crew in the cabin, and
1: they're out of control. Yep, Mm -hmm. which is
0: the force of what was happening is what ripped it apart. When Mm. one thing went wrong, one horrible thing went wrong. Um, The fuel tank was totally destroyed. They did eventually find about twenty percent of it in the recovery mission. As for the SRBs, you know they were still flying. They remotely can.
1: Oh, you see that. They both go off to uh to each side. You can see
0: things going in many directions. That's because they were ripped apart by natural aerodynamic forces. Yep. Mm -hmm. So now we know the basics of what happened. The O-rings that failed were not resilient enough under the unusually cold weather conditions they were exposed to as the shuttle assembly sat on the launch pad at Kennedy Space Center. Remember, it got down to the low 20s Fahrenheit.
1: Yeah. It's below freezing. Right, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. This they made, had to, like, de-ice the shuttle yeah, or something like sure that did. before that.
0: This made the gaskets brittle, which Feynman showed very clearly by putting the little O-rings into the glass of water. Basically, the gaskets were not meant to perform under these conditions. Mm-hmm. They were...
1: They, they were already, from the get-go, before they even did anything. After they it, they were already a failure.
0: Yeah, Mhm.
1: Like there was Yeah,
0: it was it was not going to
1: No, it, it wasn't going to happen.
0: The integrity of these gaskets and not just the yeah. gasket that failed. All of those yes. gaskets were compromised. Yep. Could have been any one of them.
1: Yep. And it's it's not going to happen. And like a couple of people I remember watching it, a couple of people kind of know that.
0: Well, oh Oh, we're like gonna a, get into that. Don't like a, you worry. Yeah, we're like gonna a, get into that. Yeah. We're gonna get into that. That's why we're going into a fourth oh, part because okay. we've already been talking almost an hour and Seems haven't even gotten God, to that, have. right? So, but we know that low it the decision to launch a shuttle does not lie with temperature the temperature deciding, right? Humans make this decision. Humans decide. Right. Yeah. So since there, there
1: are ideal conditions and then there are conditions you can work with
0: and Sally Ride knew the specs mm-hmm. and had the information of the resiliency so that means people knew well, sure the resiliency was going to be yes. compromised cuz they had so, already
1: they, i'm sure they had already run tests on this and exactly. but, but well, we're yeah. going to get into yeah. all
0: that yeah um so they knew that the O-rings were not would <clears throat> could potentially be compromised in this on January 28th right of 1986 um of course (laughs) we sure hope we can trust that no one at nasa or anywhere else had some sort of like nefarious death wish on the challenger crew but the question becomes how did this happen when there was clear knowledge of the potential failure of these gaskets and here's (laughs) it is here we continue to work our way back from the findings and start following the trail of those giant o-rings from their conception to their untimely failure. I cannot believe I was yelling at Jesse that whole time and it was your boy is yes. Demetrius there. Oh goodness. Anyway, hopefully he'll stop now. <laughs> so things are gonna get a little bit more complicated <laughs> because they're not complicated enough that we're not just talking about like cold bit. cold shrivel up mm-hmm. O-rings. The broader scope of this disaster includes a much more nuanced view of the mechanics of these SRB joints that set off a string of problems and really exposed a culture of the normalization of deviance, as we discussed in our Columbia episodes. So, when the shuttle program was being figured out, these solid rocket boosters were key. And it was going to be a big deal for whoever was going to get the NASA contract to design and build them, right? That honor went to a U.S.-based company, now known as Thiokol, then known as Morton Thiokol, with cost plus award fee contract totaling an estimated $800 million, roughly $5.2 billion today. So they landed that government contract, right? It's huge. Thiacol, as a company, started in 1929 making polymer sealants that had military contracts going back to World War II. So they've been involved sure. in government contracts for a while. Eventually, NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab, JPL, discovered that Thiokol's sealants were good at making solid rocket fuel. At which point, Thiokol's like, well, I guess we're going to get into the solid rocket fuel making business, right? So early on in the contract for the shuttle program that was announced in November 1973, Viacol was tasked to keep development costs low, right? It was, in fact, one of the main attributes of their plan that helped them edge out the competition to win the bid for NASA. It was competitively priced. NASA was pleased with Thiokol's cost-saving measures and specifically called out the joint design for the SRBs that Thiokol had come up with. So those joints where those O-rings were gonna be in. So the main characteristics of these joints that were attractive was the dual O-ring design, having a primary and a secondary gasket, right? So two of them and test ports at the joints that allowed these joints to be tested for leaks without pressurizing the entire motor of the solid rocket booster. Hmm. So those were like two um features of design that were especially attractive. So as for I'm going to go back to the O-rings. Oh my god, this is like the story that will never end, but um the O-rings themselves
1: it's the, it's the never-ending story. It is
0: a story. It just would have been a- <laughs> A lot more boring oh, no. to tell to a
1: child or whatever.
0: Was that the one? Is there a
1: flying dog in that that comes up at? Is the never-ending
0: point? story? That's not the Wonder Years. Fred. No. Fred Savage was Princess Bride.
1: He was, but just for like two scenes, and that was it.
0: With Peter Falk, Columbo.
1: I don't remember that but maybe
0: was the never ending story. Did it also use the same conceit of somebody telling a bedtime story to a child?
1: It wasn't a bedtime story. It was a kid that skipped school and it was a book that was like, Oh, uh,
0: that's right. Uh, cause we watched it cause yes, I had never seen it before.
1: No, no, I, yeah. I didn't see it never as a child. The story is a Treyu and I can't remember the flying dog's name. Damn it. Um, wasn't
0: there like a super sad thing with a horse?
1: That was a Treyu. Yeah. Or no, a Treyu was the boy. Um, my God, what was this horse's Spoiler name?
0: alert, there was a sad scene with the horse. There was. In The NeverEnding Story. I didn't like it. O-rings. <laughs> they were made out of viton rubber, known for being an extremely durable form of rubber. Um, now, here's where we're going to get into this Jalopnik article. So, it has been asserted in a book called Prophets Pray... My Seven-Year Investigation into Warren Jeffs and the Fundamentalist Church of Latter-day Saints by Sam Brower. Now, Warren Jeffs is the guy from Keep Sweet and Obey or whatever. He that d- Netflix documentary. Well, fundamentalist yeah. LDS, right? Um,
1: I was going to say he's from the Fundamentalist Church. But yeah, I guess the Netflix documentary works too.
0: Like... In a way, I don't want to call anyone out if we have any LDS listeners, but I feel like we probably don't have any LDS listeners.
1: I doubt it, but I mean...
0: Like, first of all, you're in a cult. I'm sorry. You're in a cult. <laughs> but at least you're not FDL-LDS because they're, like, That's... in a pedophilic cult.
1: They're in, the, like, an extreme... Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, they're actually, like, assaulting children and shit. So, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway...
1: Like Scientology. <laughs>
0: The writer of that book said that the O-rings used on Challenger were actually made by a manufacturing company called pack Seals out of Utah, which was originally founded as Utah Tool and Die by Rulon Jeffs. I was just going to say. Warren Jeffs. Because so that's
1: how they had all that money to begin yeah. with. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, apparently at the time of Challenger, Jeffs was still serving on the board. Rulon Jeffs was still serving on the board. Now. I do not doubt that this could be true. They were in Utah. Um, uh, Morton calls in Ogden. Th- that that very much could be true. I gotta say, I found kind of a dearth of information. Okay. Other than this one person's book. I would be interested to know their source, right? Sure. There were a couple articles that, like, led back to this. But it's just like, okay. But the articles were all saying that they made the O-rings for NASA, and it's like, yeah, but Morton Thiokol made this. So, did they make all the O-rings for Morton Thiokol, or did NASA give Morton Thiokol the like? It feels like here's what this feels like.
1: It's not as direct as they are making it.
0: Well, it feels RGB. like maybe, maybe they really, maybe they did. Sure. It also sounds like it could be an urban legend. I'm honestly not 100 percent sure. Regardless, or here's even the a thing. subsidiary. Yeah, but see, the thing is, like, regardless, the O-rings didn't fail in terms of not doing what they were built to do.
1: Correct. They, they were built to. they weren't supposed to be doing that it, in the first place. Exactly.
0: They were built to perform under certain conditions. Mm-hmm. They were put outside of those conditions. So even if, <laughs> even if, like, pedophiles, which this would have been, like, basically made these O-rings... An
1: army of pedophiles.
0: Yeah, that's horrible and it's horrible that they got government contracts but they didn't explode the challenge <laughs> that's <yes. laughs> ultimately right so
1: i mean I'd, <laughs> I'd be fine with blaming them even if they didn't do it <clears throat> right you know but it's you know, an interesting story
0: i'm not 100 sure i would like to it would be really interesting to know like the source material behind it but anyway getting into the joint design and this will be I promise you, this is the highest level I could figure out to get. (laughs) I didn't even want to get this into it, but it is kind of important because it really does speak to why the gaskets failed, even beyond the cold, and why this was a big problem that NASA didn't address this prior to Challenger. So without going into like horrifically excruciating detail, basically... The idea of an O-ring is that it performs under pressure because of the pressure of the joint. That compression is what creates the seal, Mm -hmm. right? If you picture a mason jar, they've got the same rubberized gasket seal, right? The idea is that pressure is what sucks everything into that seal. And uh, so blah, blah, blah. Where am I here? Anyway, the problem is... That's how they're supposed to work, but that is not the way the O-rings were necessarily working on Thiokol's designed joints. Again, very oversimplifying here. I am not a rocket scientist. What they were finding on initial tests on the SRB was the joints were not failing. So in other words, there weren't gas leaks in the joints, which is good, but why there wasn't a leak wasn't because the joint was designed in a way that al- allowed to make the O-rings work due to compression. So instead, the pressure of the test made a portion of the structure of the joint, so the, me- the mechanical part of it, not the O-ring, like like buckle, bend ever so slightly. I mean, we're talking like Teeny amounts, right? But the well, problem talking, is, these teeny amounts matter.
1: We're talking degrees of pressure that have to be correct.
0: Right. And we're talking like 0. 0.52, yeah. like little tiny measurements yeah. of things, right?
1: Which could throw, and you're talking about the size of, of this, you know, it SRB. It could throw a lot of things off. Yeah, sm-
0: even the tiniest thing. Yeah.
1: If something's off a millisecond, that could be all it takes. Or a
0: millimeter yeah. in this case, right? Um, so the O-rings weren't weren't quite compressing the right way. Um, sorry, I've, I've like totally lost this reading, so um, so this 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 bending happened in the joint, and that's called joint rotation. That's okay. what they referred to it as. And this joint rotation resulted in slightly less pressure being put on the O-rings. So they're supposed to have uniform, compression lots of pressure put on them well to a, a point point mean, they measure it obviously to create that seal <clears throat> but because <clears throat> the pressure was not as high as it should have been it resulted in the o-ring becoming extruded
1: okay that makes sense so extrusion
0: like mm-hmm. kind of forcing a malleable material through a non-malleable yeah. thing Um, so basically these O-rings were not uniformly compressed and that could erode the O-rings, right? If one part's being extra compressed and the other part's not being compressed at all, it could start to like eat away at the bit that's getting too compressed and getting kind of squeezed through in ways that it's not supposed to. Um, so that could result (coughs) in failure of the seal, allowing, gas to erode the O-rings. Of course, it would not take until 1986 for that to be discovered as a potential issue. These This stuff was coming out in early tests, right? And these are extremely intelligent engineers working on this. They saw it. They noted it. This was an obvious problem. Specifically, engineers at NASA's Marshall Space Flight Center in Huntsville, Alabama, like, saw this. Hey, we're writing up an official memo, right? We're this, gonna this
1: isn't gonna work.
0: We're gonna recommend a redesign of the parts of the joint that were causing the extrusion of the O-rings, to the point where one memo predicted what might happen in case of joint failure. Quote, hot gas leaks and resulting catastrophic failure. End quote. That's literally what happened to Challenger. Despite these warnings, NASA didn't respond. To this memo, and these memos weren't just from like the <laughs> like, janitor. <laughs> it wasn't or like something.
1: it wasn't like they got this like information off of Twitter, which did not exist. But I'm going. <laughs> but I'm going back to what if it did?
0: Right. Now this memo was signed by John Q. Miller, great name by the way. Yes. Who was the chief of the solid rocket motor branch of the Marshall Space Flight Center? His superiors didn't respond to this, didn't respond after a whole year. Okay. So he sent another memo to drive the point home. Like, no, this is an issue and you are not responding. Like, I'm telling you again, this is a problem. Yeah. Again, no response. Leon Ray, the engineer who first rang the alarm bells to his superior, John Miller, went as far as to visit two separate O-ring manufacturers to talk to them about the risks of this joint design. His resulting memo said that the people he spoke to, so these are professionals who make these O-rings, thought, quote, the O-ring was being asked to perform beyond its intended design and that a different type of seal should be considered, end quote. So even, we're not even talking cold. This entire joint design is not working for these O-rings. It's causing problems for the o And the, the coal
1: is probably just make as com- a compounding problem.
0: Especially if these O-rings are getting fucked up, right? They're getting extruded. They're getting...
1: Extruded? That's not a small thing.
0: No, it's not. At it's, all. This is a bad thing It's not the last fucking happening.
1: thing you want to happen mm-hmm. in this situation.
0: So this is still just being ignored, Jeez. essentially, at the t- upper levels. In 1980, the entire shuttle system was studied for flight worthiness. Sure. And the committee tasked to do so brought up Similar concerns about the O rings. And there was also static, and you do not want confusion at this stage, but there remained confusion <coughs> that never really got cleared up during the design process <coughs> regarding the actual purpose of the dual gasket system, right? There's a primary O ring, a secondary O ring. They both failed in Challenger, but still. Marshall Space Flight Center, Upper Up. Or up George Hardy would later say that his understanding was that the two O-rings were designed as a redundancy, right? If the primary O-ring failed, no problem. You still have the secondary O-ring. It was redundant to the first to ensure safety. But the committee stated that the reason the secondary O-ring was there was for testing purposes. It was not meant to be a redundant system. Again, you would think that's something that should get cleared up
1: Yeah. before I mean, this
0: thing is lift off, shot, right? Shot
1: into outer space. Exactly.
0: During the Rogers Commission hearings, there was confirmation of this confusion when Rogers questioned Glenn Lunny, a former manager of the STS, or Space Transportation System, program at Johnson Space Center. <clears throat> so Rogers was trying to clarify. He said, quote, You can't necessarily rely on the primary seal, and if the primary seal fails, as you've said here, there may be a loss of vehicle, mission, and crew, end quote. And Lunny responded, quote, I would adjust that to only say you cannot rely on the secondary O-ring, but we would expect the primary O-ring to always be there, end quote. That's just as confusing as it sounds. None of that makes sense. It did not get cleared up at all. Regardless, NASA did eventually respond to the committee, meaning the um, flight readiness committee committee's concerns, by saying that you know they're going to do larger O-rings, additional joint shims. To that, that'll address the concern. Of course, that would not end up helping much, and those O-rings would, of course, fail. In next week, <laughs> in next week's last installment, I sure hope so. Keeping fingers crossed. We'll talk about the last ditch attempts by engineers to protect the Challenger crew, the fallout of the Rogers Commission report, and the legacy of one of the most televised disasters of the 20th century. And that, my friends, was part That's, 3.
1: Yeah. I oh mean, my god. I don't think I
0: was going to go on this long.
1: Well, now I see why it, it needs to.
0: <sighs> so much tech shit. Jeez. So technical.
1: Yeah. Like the <laughs> Using fancy terms like SRBs. What do you do?
0: <laughs> no,
1: but. I mean, even some of this stuff, I'm I'm kind of. Like, when a tragedy this big happens, mm-hmm. like, you kind of know, like, okay, it was kind of. But you, you never really hear about the follow through. Like, what happened, like, 10 years later when this commission, like. You know what I mean? Or like even something, the,
0: the nitty gritties. Like, because it's like, yes, the O ring failed. Mm-hmm. But this goes.
1: Deeper than that. Much deeper.
0: Deeper to that, and we're going to talk more about this next week, the normalization of deviance, right? Which was a big thing we brought up in Columbia. It
1: goes to, certain engineers knew under certain conditions this was just not going to work, and then they kind of forced those conditions on...
0: I would would actually correct that a bit.
1: Okay.
0: Engineers raised the flag. Sure. Raised a red flag that this is a problem. They were not just saying, oh, well, we'll let this through. Correct. We're talking about a major disconnect yeah. between the people actually doing the work, the people that's that a better, are hired. That's a
1: better way of putting it. The
0: people that are hired to do their job, yeah. doing their job, and their management not listening to them.
1: And we all experience that at every all level the of work. fucking time. Under what, it doesn't matter what the management is, if you work at an auto repair shop, Jeez. if you work at a Gap. Well, I'll if tell you. You, you know, there's the always moment, a disconnect.
0: At the moment, I have a manager I very, very much like and appreciate but I can tell I you do as well, which is keep, is keep nice. going up the chain, yeah. and things get a lot more disconnected from the way things really work, right? They, they do, which is exactly what is happening here. The problem is you're talking about shooting humans in into into outer
1: space, <laughs> you know. So it, it needs a little bit more. Although scrutiny. Although the
0: same, although the same scrutiny should apply to anything where people's health, safety, well-being, lives. Are potentially on the line. These
1: are just extreme conditions. These
0: are extreme conditions. Because we're
1: shooting somebody with rockets Mm -hmm. into outer space.
0: And if you fail at that, millions of people will see it, be traumatized by it, and you'll have to answer for
1: it. I'm sure some people were. I don't remember being traumatized. You were a child. I I,
0: I don't think it's... No, no, no. But I'm just saying,
1: some people probably did. But I just remember being like... It was just the first example, of, like that wasn't supposed to happen, was it? Like, like even having like even that little bit of forefront of mine being mm-hmm. like, I don't think that's the uh, that's the that way. That doesn't look right. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. So that was part three of our now four part.
0: For now, <laughs> I hope that's all it is, guys. I am so tired of reading the Rogers Commission <laughs> <laughs> report. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> of our four-part Challenger episode that was part three, Moved and Troubled.
0: Moved and Troubled. I'm sure he was. I'm sure you were, Ron. Ron.
1: <laughs> this has been another episode of All Bad Things.
0: It's almost. It's 2 a.m. Just yes, it is. Tire.
1: If it's 3 a.m., Matchbox 20 will sing a song.
0: <laughs> Baby. <laughs> it's 2 a.m., I might be lonely. <laughs> That's
1: the, anyway. So that was part three, Moved and Troubled. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week.